Hey everyone, this is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, part two. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead podcast. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that lives by the credo what lola wants lola gets my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're gearing up to g t and l as we delve into the mouth of march madness and travel back 10 years to talk the horror classics from our 2009 bracket but before we get in that, let me remind you, we are part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. You can find all of our episodes at BoomHowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your awkward viewing hole. <laughs> it did get awkward, this bracket. <laughs> um, and if you if you are playing along at home, you can't play along at home unless you are following us on social media. And if, How are you going to play the game you, if you don't have the bracket? you got to have access to it and if you're on twitter you can follow us and find the bracket at nightmare junk and on facebook at nightmare junkhead show your work continue to send your submissions in mm-hmm. um we've had a chance at this point to see a lot of completed brackets mm-hmm. uh shout out to 3b uh, uh buddies forever their live cast where they debated the entirety of the brackets yep and i won't give you a spoiler but uh, the winner was standing off looking in the corner i'll just say that sorry guys and, <laughs> but hey it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was fun. It's interesting also to see other people show their work. Yeah. In a format that kind of what we do here, yeah. which was really rad. So <laughs> so you officially showed your work, so it's officially accepted. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. The, <laughs> the genius seal of approval there. <laughs> but no, check it out. Uh, we've retweeted that. Check it out on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but like I said, I love the fact that people are interactive with this. Yes. And it is inspiring talk and debate getting people to revisit some fic- flicks and seeing them for the first time. And that's why we do it. Not just for us, but for everybody. Because, well, sure. like, you know, every every movie on here deserves to be on the bracket. And even the ones that didn't make it deserve to be on the of, bracket. Of course, of course. If we go back to our selection episode mm-hmm. where we give a lot of love to our honorable mentions. But here we are now in 2009. Yes. These are films celebrating a decade of horror. And at this point, this is really when you find out if your film has legs or not. Mm-hmm. This is a hallmark, a benchmark year. This goes beyond the whole like opening weekend box office, mm-hmm. which everyone freaks out about. That does not make your film. Whether or not people are still talking about it, debating it, singing yep. its merits 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and in the mouth, into the mouth of March Madness, we go all the way back to 40 years, but this is the first benchmark, 10 years, and we've got eight films, mm-hmm. eight films vying that and again couldn't be more different oh. than anything this is like 79 you know this is which is a lot of which is weird because i've never seen a lot of these i've never seen in a theater before mm-hmm. which is odd for something more new right not like 90 you yeah. know oh, 99 yeah. you know so. 80s and 90s definitely but also a diverse group of films mm-hmm. and if this was a buffet man you'd get some exotic dishes in here this is all you can eat this is like pizza ranch times three pizza <laughs> ranch <laughs> Oh, that's very regional there. And if you ever want to get indulgent and if you want to get oh. into Genius's heart, oh, two words, ranch, two pizza, words. Pizza Ranch, Pizza Ranch. <laughs> so this here, is a Pizza Ranch of horror, man. It, it, 2009 truly is. Uh, and here in the first round of our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, 
We talked about the whole showing your work. Mm-hmm. And here in the first round, we have two bits of criteria to see which film goes on into the next round, the round of the Scream 16. And I'd like to think again, not necessarily academic, but we're reaching for both pathos and logos. So the first thing we look at, <laughs> nice work there. <laughs> which of these two films pulls more on your nostalgic tr- string or which one is closer to your heart? Closer to the heart. <laughs> Getting there. Getting there. Getting man. there. Getting there. Getting there. We've got one. I think we've got two more ways to do that at this point. Okay. Two more times. And then the second one we look at is we actually have everything paired by bracket topic. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, which one logically makes a better bracket topic? And our first uh, little matchup here. We're, we're pulling an audible, actually. Uh, we mentioned in the uh, the selection episode that our first round matchup here in 2009 was international flavor, and it mm-hmm. truly is. Yes, and definitely, but there's a little more to it than that. Especially when we delved into these. So the first round bracket topic is love. International style. And we have two films that were two I've seen that's. Yep, exactly. Same here. Two okay. I've seen that's for me. And... Our first little taste of international flavor here. We're going down under. Mm-hmm. Going down under for a little bit. Won't it be love? Whoa, this movie. Yep. I, <laughs> I've i got a lot of questions for Sean Barron and the loved ones. This movie is wild. Holy moly. This and another wild. Another one, unofficial uh, sponsor of the tournament here, Shutter Shoutout. Uh-huh. Screened it through Shutter. This was a first time watch. Now, I had known a little bit about this film yep. just a little to know enough that it was australian mm-hmm. and that i apparently had a bit of a torture vibe yeah the, there's like the girls the killer mm-hmm. it's right there and the, it's on the exactly uh, the, the loved ones she is the main focus of this she and <laughs> this movie is basically if veruca salt was a mcpoyle <laughs> right that's a, definitely an offshoot of the McPoyle family yeah. tree that sprouted and the seed planted over in the <laughs> in the back country. We drink kangaroo milk. <laughs> you imagine the McPoyles mixing it up with the Aborigines? Oh no! It's gonna be. Oh no! Well, no, and there because it definitely has that bit of a vibe. But no, Princess Lola, played by uh, Robin McLevy, killing it. Oh, she killing is, it. She steals the fucking show. Kind of like Samara Weaving in Mayhem. Every time she was on the screen, I could not stop just because I was just entranced by what she was doing. Her Mm -hmm. presence as crazy as she was, there was especially her intro scene when she goes up to the guy, asks him out. He says no. And he says it's just in a nice way. Right. Right. He goes, no, I'm dating somebody else. He doesn't say it like scornful. This isn't a carry kind of thing. Not like, ha ha ha. You know, nothing. But but immediately my first time watching it, I I felt bad for him. Mm -hmm. I've been there. I know how that is, you know, because when you first see her, she's like Deb from a Napoleon Dynamite. Like, want to buy some boondoggles, you know? And like, he's like, no, no, thanks. And then like, next thing you know, next thing you know, she's in the parking lot peeping on him and all kinds of crap. Crazy shit. Oh yeah, there's well, there's some. It's an awkward screening. No matter no matter where you, this is not one that you should like. You know, show in polite company. I mean, this is a good movie. Don't get me wrong. This movie's badass. But this is not one like oh, the loved ones. That sounds like a Thanksgiving movie for the family. <laughs> yeah, it depends on your family, I yeah, guess. There's different kind of stuffing going on right? in this particular <laughs> film, right? Ah, uh, it's like you said. There is some frank sexuality, which again, I have no problem. I'm not approved by any means, right? But there's. There's actually in both films, there's very, there's actually some 
very intimate scenes, yeah, if you will, which in a horror film actually kind of adds to it, but also it's a little, it's a it's, little bit, it's awkward. It makes the, it makes things weird, you know, because like you're just you're skeeved out, but at the same time it's just like you can't stop watching it, you know, it's it's weird. It is, it is, but it adds a little bit of more pathos to it, especially when you realize his whole journey is he's suffering from the PTSD, the survivor guilt. Mm-hmm. That he, and I'll, I'll, let me just say this. Anytime you open your film with a little, um, oh my God, a little river band. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got me in. But ultimately it was a bait and switch because ultimately I get called out for liking old man music. You Whatever, know? dude. That, that song was rad. <laughs> that song was rad. And they even called out like old man music. But the next thing you know, they mm. swerve to hit without to not hit somebody in the middle of the road then shenanigans happen because you said it's the grief of what Mm -hmm. happens what also makes him survive he is a survivor ultimately but and to go through what he goes through because i mentioned torture and that's i am not a fan of the whole torture and i hate the 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 terminology but torture porn right i'm just not a big fan of it uh like i can appreciate what hostel did the second i can appreciate what they do but it's just not my style it's kind of like with the whole cannibal thing it's just not my taste Mm -hmm. so i knew that but i will say this as torturous as it gets and there is some gnarly yeah there's some gnarly shit oh my god just from the drano injection so Mm -hmm. he can't scream and you know what that reminded me of when he started doing that motel hell yes yep oh i and again being it's an osploitation flick you never know what's going on in the back it's got elements of motel hell it's got elements of people under the stairs it's got elements of uh almost not like seven but like you see like a serial killer and oh, like yeah. it's very tortury like that and it's it's gratuitous but not overly crazy it, it didn't take me out of it right there is though that level of extremeness right no but it's not well yeah i didn't get that in fact i'd say the most effective things that you get is the the drill that you see on the front cover <sighs> you don't see anything except for a little bit of smoke, smoke. and it's the smoke that sells it and the, <laughs> yeah, that grinding yeah there ah. are multiple go back to uh, 1999 when we talked audition you know again the use of sound design mm-hmm. where you don't see anything but you hear it and oh good lord have mercy there's nothing worse than that because when you ultimately when they get in texas chainsaw massacre is another one in lieu of like the dinner scene and how that influences but that first time when you get the entire family Ooh. at the table and you get the the you can't, don't know if it's the mother or what, but she's but got... the bottom eyes just I, right in the middle of the skull. I didn't realize what that was initially. No, me neither. I thought she was like Dr. Pretarius or something, because you don't know where this movie's going. <laughs> you don't know where this movie is going, because you think you do, but then you're like, oh, there's more than that, you know? And then the other, when they open up the base... Spoilers. Yeah. When they open up the basement, and then you see that it's been going on for quite a long time... Then you're like, oh, these people are vile. But even then, you still like, you can't root for these people because you you really they're vile. Root, they're they're vile. The, the the family is up. You are you feel so bad but for as, the family. But as portrayed by them, they're still <sighs> like, in the, if you can skeeve Genius McGee, oh, you've done well. <laughs> and there are certain moments I know that yeah, in the the portrayal and it's um, uh, Daddy is played by John Brumpton, who again. The, the the interplay between those two it's icky but there's it's also kind of weirdly sentimental right but at the same time so psychotically sick yes that but I was drawn in this was a film that is again not my genre but I really enjoyed it in fact mm-hmm. the first time I watched it was entirely by myself 
The second time I watched it was your first viewing. Mm-hmm. And then you had. Yeah. Then I went to a seat at the theater. Yeah. And so by happenstance, That's... it was just playing. Shout out, Abby. But so it was it played great in the theater because when the part when uh, he has the knife, the hunting knife, and he's just hammering oh. it into his oh. feet. And with every question, like, boom, he hits it again. You're just like, oh, it just makes you wince. You're just like, ah. Oh. Oh, you just feel so bad for this family because on the one side you had the family desperately seeking mm-hmm. the lost son, and it's like, oh man, so close. I hope you find him. Meanwhile, the other family <laughs> is batshit insane. Oh, Lola, like I said, Lola steals the show. She's a part adorable and like insane. Oh no, there's. I think. She, her performance elevates this film mm-hmm. um, between her and uh, and what we get in an audition. You have just two instantly iconic yeah. performances. You cannot get enough. And again, obviously, you know, if anyone knows the podcast knows my dog is Lola. So I always have an aversion. I'm like, oh, Lola. but I'm like, oh, oh, that's a that's bad context. Right. No, like, no, no, no. Bad no. Lola, bad Lola. Right. <laughs> no W's today. <laughs> but then just really quickly, because then there's that other side of the story of his buddy that's also going to the dance. It's the mo. It's levity. It has nothing to do with anything. There's well, like mean, some it, small. No, there's connective there's tissue bit, yeah. towards the end. But you're like, where the hell is this yeah. going? And why is it funny? I mean, it's funny, but you're like rooting for this guy the whole time. And I think that's why this movie is how it is. Because if it was just all gore like oh. that, it would almost be too much. It would be the drill to the head, right? That's why it's spread out with that. And like at first, I was like, you know, this has nothing to do with nothing. It's just almost like super bad in the middle of the movie. Yeah. And but it worked for me. It was really good because like I needed that laughter. Yeah, because there is a lot of lot of heady stuff going to on. To get unskeezed. Uh, and there, yeah, again, it's not, it's a film that I could definitely recommend to all my horror fans, and I'm glad I saw right. this. This is one. No, but I awesome, can't awesome recommend watch. it for families. No, no. This, again, know your audience. Uh, but on a, a totally different vibe then, but another one international, here we get from a master, mm-hmm. uh, Chan Wook Park's Thirst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and shout out to 3B Productions. We're talking the vampire We're talking one. The- We're talking the vampire. I'm not sure which one they were watching, but <laughs> darn it. Whatever it was apparently was not that great. <laughs> Because I'll say this, this was a first time watch as well, and I've seen Old Boys, so I'm familiar with that, but man, I was not prepared for this film. No, I was not prepared for this film either. This went, this whole movie went on this priest ride, and the priest went from zero to 60 real quick, real quick. We go from thorn birds to eating the thorn birds. Right. <laughs> and again, this is one I kind of knew by reputation. It had it had elements of vampirism and priest. That's the only thing I knew about it too, is vampires, priests, and occasionally diddling. Yes. That's and I'm like, okay, so a diddling priest and vampires, you know, on that synopsis alone, sold, you know, not a deal breaker. So like <laughs> so And I should say, let's go back to Lola real quick. At one point, is the is there a deal breaker in there? Yeah, genius? there was a deal breaker. Okay, there was okay. a deal. There was a big deal breaker. So we know there. there's a deal breaker with, a, with Lola. But up until then, not a deal breaker. But <laughs> moving on to thirst, and I, I will say this: what was really we we talk about it a lot. You know, we we love it when we get the little bit of brevity. So with the loved ones, clocks in under ninety minutes. Great. This one does not. This not one so much. is like what is almost two and a it half. It was two twenty. Yeah, two twenty. Two and a half hours. But you know what? It flew by. 
I at parts. It was for me when we got to the end. I was trying to figure out how everything was going to wrap up mm-hmm. because the the journey that goes on there, and that's the thing. As crazy as you get in the outback here, it's more structured. There is such a journey that you get with the main character that you don't really get with the loved ones. Well, because you have twice the runtime, oh, you know, but this is almost three movies in one. And I think that's why you get a lot of more character because the first, the first third of the movie, you're on this journey with the priest and learning when the characters and how his daily routine, then, and then his discovering of love, right? <clears throat> Diddling priests. Then he go. Then the second movie is you go on this vampire tale, and it's a good vampire tale. That's just it. When you they add the vampirism, it's kind of felt a little bit more fresh, and mm-hmm. I I credit that to the international flavor, and that's why I think it's important that we have have these access to these films to yeah. see what horror is like through a different filter. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a vampire film, it's a cool Korean vampire film. Um, so I'm ultimately really into that. Now, the elements of beauty in the film yeah because there are certain shots there's scenes of him when he's snacking or sipping the iv mm-hmm. on the patients and he's just by the bed and he's not trying to be malicious he's not ultimately killing them no he's just trying to get what he needs to get by he, like his whole theme the whole idea of the priesthood and everything i think carries throughout because he definitely has a moral compass oh absolutely he's because, a priest because when he ultimately introduces the vampirism to the, the, the his lady friend and i'm going to butcher pronunciation so right. i'm not even going to try it <laughs> you know she full on embraces mm-hmm. the vampire and it's like this is what we're supposed to be and you get then that well, because then you feel, because at first you feel bad for her. Well, you no, feel yeah. extremely bad for her. This and is a character piece, first and foremost. Absolutely, for both characters and just what it's like to be a vampire. It's what you do. It's basically what you do with power. Yeah. You know, absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Vampire power, vampiritics absolutely, right? So it took a part of her that we never even saw. And to see her be like... I'm finally free and do whatever the fuck I want to do Woo. after years, right? Oh, yeah. You you feel for her, yeah, go fucking do some shit. But then at the same time, you have to go with his journey, too, because he's still learning how to be a vampire yep. as well. And he's like, okay, wait, we can't do this anymore. It's heartbreaking. It's like... It's especially I'm not going to spoil the end because, you know, it, it's, it's a, and it's a long ending too. that final scene. Mm-hmm. And it's and you're like, oh, holy shit. That's that's some tough choices that had to been made. You know, it's a it's a think vampire piece, but it's also like extremely weirdly erotic. And that plays into our screening that we had. And when I say screen, it was really funny because that night little peek behind the curtain there we we i think we we recorded two episodes and then we, we wanted to make sure we had it and our friend abby came through it was mm-hmm. when we uh blood the, diner yeah with abby and jenny and dustin were all here mm-hmm. so we're all watching thirst and there's so many points i'm so glad your instinct to do what you would normally do didn't kick in right i was like i there was so many jokes that had to be like i the, the not like bad jokes but it means no, diddling priest but at the same time like i said he goes there's a scene that's extremely uncomfortable when you're watching like with a big group of people like if you're at a party and they're like hey you want to watch a cool korean vampire movie this might not be the one to show at parties because the scene where the priest is like i've never kissed anybody and next thing you know he's banging 
like the girl in the closet and you're like holy shit wow that's quick again there's some very intimate scenes going on there which and then you want the other it's weird because you the 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 priest is trying to do so well but you want everybody else to die you know what i'm saying you're like they're vampires fuck shit up and they fuck shit up this is not like a bloodless movie no oh there's there's some good (laughs) bloodletting but it's beautiful bloodletting it it is it is and that's why i think both of these work really well but as much as we love both of these films only one can advance and where it's time to show our work here so of the two between the loved ones and thirst genius mcgee which one is closer to your heart Okay, so while I'll probably never forget my first watching of the uh, a Thirst or both of them, I think um, I enjoyed watching it not only here but on the big screen too. And so I think for that, I'm going to go with Heart for Loved Ones. The loved Ones. Mm-hmm. We can't stress it enough that theatrical communal experience, even if it's just a handful of people, it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Um, both were first time watches, um, both were very memorable, but for me, I'm going to go back to the humor, I should say, of just the awkwardness of seeing thirst for the first time. That is something I'm always going to remember whether I watch it again or whether I talk about it. So for me, I've got to go with thirst. Now, that being said, we just spoke from our heart. Let's go with the head now. Uh, this is love international style Mm -hmm. that can be taken a bazillion different ways so i ask you genius which uh which one australian korean makes a little bit love international style Hmm. (laughs) again how do you how do you interpret it how do you show your work on this one good sir (laughs) shit okay so um i'm thinking if we're talking about love, both both movies are about love gone wrong. Both movies are about love that um, takes very dark and weird turns. But what... <laughs> I think the thing is, what can you show more people and what can more people get more like attached to? And that's where I'm having a uh. difficult problem because... The the story in Thirst is a beautiful story. It is it's it's heartbreaking and touching and ultimately sad. Loved ones, it's like God damn, let's fuck shit up, you know. So what is more indicative of of, of love? And I think I think I'm gonna go loved ones. Okay, that works because I think the fear of love gone wrong is universal. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Watch out who you reject. Yeah. Love international style. So I'm going to go simply one of my favorite things about like exploitation Australian films is to say, you know, anything in the outback can kill you. Mm -hmm. Everything that you find in the outback is going to be deadly, including families, you know, in the rickety cabins. Uh, Korean films show me that everyone's kind of messed up and. You know, ultimately, one way or the other, you're going to have sex with someone in your family or you're going to, you know, put beds. You're going to do something that's morally wrong. <laughs> I, for me, I, and as it's as, you know, as fun as that can be, I'm just going to go. No, I, I do love the fact that, you know, the, the outback is deadly. Uh, love international style, Australian. And I'm going to go with that. And by a count of three to one. What Lola wants, Lola gets, and we do have the loved ones going to the round of the Scream Sixteen. I have to say that's probably one of the harder ones that that was tough that I've gone through so far. 
Well, and like I said, I think I honestly think though with thirst, you could show that to your arty farty friends. Yeah, and some normies as well. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, I don't think. <laughs> let me go on the record. I don't think you can show loved ones to normies. No, 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 no. no, no. But you can probably get away with showing it, saying, "Look, this is a vampire movie. It's not." Crazy, not what you're thinking. There's it's not a, Lost Boys, no, you know. but it's also international, and that mm-hmm. might turn people off too. So, but no, I'm <clears throat> loved ones goes on, loved ones moves on again. We buyer's remorse, what have you. We showed our work, we're gonna stand by it. Now, our next two films, totally actually, very so many, so many ways similar, Absolutely so many ways different. different. Our bracket topic here we have, and again, we were talking <coughs> off mic, the uh, the joys of home ownership. Uh, we have House of Horrors, and we have two films. One for me was, and I've seen that, mm-hmm. and the other one is kind of becoming more and more like comfort food for me. Uh, but we have uh, Ty West's House of the Devil going up against Marcus Dunstan's The Collector. Mm-hmm. Genius, which one shall we start with? Let's do House of the Devil, because that's an I've seen that for me. Okay, and again, this is going to be a little Shutter shout-out as well, because mm-hmm. it is streaming on Shutter. What'd you think? Okay. I, I'm going to piss a lot of people off right now, but I, I heard a lot of hype about this movie. I heard a lot of hype about this movie, and for an I've seen that with a lot of hype, I'm already like, okay. So I'm watching it, Wait, so I should say, with an I've seen that, what did you know? I know that it was an 80s throwback and okay. it's supposed to be spooky, and I knew that they were Satanists. Okay, there we go. Okay. Okay, so I knew it was a Satanist movie. Gotcha. I knew it had Mary Warnov yep. and a bunch of other people that are like, oh, I like that uh, yeah, person. Okay? okay. So that's what I knew about it. I knew the ending, I knew its reputation, and I knew that, like, you know, it's a, and I knew it was kind of a slow burn. I didn't know how slow burn of it was. I'm not 100% sure if it was just I was in a bad mood or I was tired, but I found this movie extra slow to the point where I was already half asleep by the reveal. And like, since I kind of already knew the reveal, I was like, okay, cool. You know? So it, 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 it meanders a little right. to get to its climax. And so like, I have to say like, this is maybe I, I just wasn't feeling it. Maybe it was that day. Maybe it was just because, like I said, I was tired. But at the same time, I feel like I want to watch it again. That's good. That's good. You know what I'm saying? Ultimately, it is. The term slow burn, I think, gets thrown out a lot. I know I've thrown it out a lot. But I think this is one with the slow burn. You do have to have that little bit. You have to have the fire beneath your feet that keeps Mm -hmm. you moving. You know, you might be moving slowly, but you're still moving. You have to be moving forward. And with that, the whole satanic panic thing is one of those things that, for me, does hit the, the nostalgia of worms. Because when I grew up, and I we've talked about it before on the podcast, but there was this area called it was called Bane's Crossing and <laughs> everyone knew that's where the devil worshipers were right uh, go back to us blaring slayer trying to you know make peace with all the satan worshipers out there but that was very real so for me that always is going to that's going to taste even sweeter and then when you open the film you go oh oh it's D Wallace okay yeah. right oh it's Tom Noonan right. oh it's Mary Warnov I'm instantly so you got like these older icons then mixed up you got um, Jocelyn Donahue who is wonderful Greta Gerwig Mm -hmm. is so freaking good Um, so you got then these up and comers as well and then now I will say this for me it doesn't need to be set in the 80s although the attention to detail I appreciate. Yeah okay so I I don't want to say like I'm just shitting on the movie because I'm not but I thought it was a beautiful looking movie. Oh, yeah, I thought 
I thought that it just nailed the look. It nailed the. It had a great soundtrack. It, the, it was the font. The everything. Big, everything was just the attention to detail was fantastic. And as much as I appreciate films like this, I don't like it when people. That's all they do mm-hmm. is try to recreate these early 80s films right i love it i love it i think you should get one or two in your quiver but then you gotta you know start making new arrows you know so i and i like that um i will say it does take a while to get there i like what happens though in fact the 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 immediacy of the violence is very when that first do you remember the first kill Mm -mm. okay i will i won't i won't spoil anything Mm -mm. for you but there is something you're like oh shit which ups the ante on everything and I like kind of ultimately where we end with it because it does that have that whole, do you remember the ending? Yeah. Then okay. the circle of the pentagram yeah, and, and, she, and she's like all there and she loses basically. All uh, right. Yeah. So there's, so there's a lot of that I enjoyed again, the hell Satan. Anytime you can incorporate, right. I'll say this a lack of naked people. Yeah. For us, for any kind of Satan or Satanism, you you normally need the old naked. Have the people. old naked people, but there was no naked people in no, there. No, that was a little huh. Ty West. You let us down on that. I'm just saying. Maybe I would have woke up. Like, hey, <laughs> no, but I, f- I I feel like I need to rewatch. It again I definitely with, like, rewatch it again. With fresh your eyes when you're charged. Yeah, it is. It's not a film that you can kind of go. And after a long day of work or anything like that, you need to not prep for it, but you need to be fresh for it. Yeah. Um, but definitely check it out again because it definitely rewards. Like I said, it's one that I've been enjoying more and more the more I've seen it. See, that's what I hear a lot. They're like a lot of people like the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. But then the second time and third time I got liked it more and more and more. So that's why I'm like, OK, maybe I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and watch it again. I'll say this as as someone that knows your taste pretty well. I think you'll enjoy it once you go in more refreshed. Okay. So definitely cool. check that out. Now, that being said, on the flip side, we have one of, I've seen that. And I the fact that this film, technically not a franchise, but I know it even it's has a, a sequel. sequel. Yeah, yeah, but The Collector. Mm-hmm. This is one I knew enough of. It was kind of home invasion-y, mm-hmm. torture-y. Mm-hmm. That's kind of all I knew, though. And I, I, I liked it. Like? It's one of those, but and I don't know if maybe it was my mood, but... I was kind of disinterested in it, which is weird because it's fast paced. Mm-hmm. You actually, I really kind of dig the, the the protagonist, the guy behind everything, because you you kind of feel for him, you know, going through who doesn't want to, you know, try to earn the extra money for the kids, this and that, you know, right. the family in peril. And but again, the torture element of it, that's when I, it just kind of took me out. Even I, I really dug all the traps and everything in there, mm-hmm. especially when you're like, wait a minute, is the person that owns this house this crazy or as it turns out no it's it's, it's somebody some other creep and technically it's kind of the same thing in house of the devil mm-hmm. there's that uh, that kind of subterfuge going on um but i i don't know what it was so but i again give some love give right. some love because no, i know no, I, I know it's not for everybody especially because it is like saw meets home alone and there's a certain aesthetic yeah and again both of these are so totally opposite in aesthetics mm-hmm. but no yeah so exactly one is set in the 80s and one is distinctly it's, like, it's 2009 the, right distinctly that time down to the music and everything mm-hmm. but i saw this in the theater and i thoroughly oh. enjoyed it that being said, I watched it again. I still really enjoyed it, but there was a couple of things that pissed me off about it. And I think it was, there was, I think the traps were very cool. I, I was just to believe like, how the fuck did he set everything up this quick, that intricate, right? Um, but a lot of things, I, I was like, these are very, very cool ideas. And I like the way that it's 
bringing the home invasion and the saw into one and i really enjoyed it and i thought the melting floor was cool except the cat that was unnecessary and it pissed me off so it kind of lost it lost my good graces (laughs) with that scene but overall overall uh, overall i really still enjoyed it I, i i could sympathize with the character i felt his plight and i really thought the ingenuity of the movie was extremely cool and i'll say i like the collector as a bad guy mm-hmm. i didn't think he was kind of it, the, the look was cool he was like unsettling night breed yeah very yeah. much night breed he just brings death yeah well actually i thought he was like a weird combination of deckard and night breed and machine and eight millimeter you know just <laughs> a little slovenly a little chris bowerish uh, right l- unsettling regardless um but like i said i do i i want to see the sequel Mm-hmm. I will seek it. Uh, so I don't hate it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wasn't like, oh, that was the worst hour and a half I've ever spent. Quite the opposite. It was just one of those films. It's not normally something that I dig. So I don't know. I think it was probably the performance of the loved ones that elevated it for me above the torture. Mm-hmm. I just didn't get that with the collector at this point. Right. But again, I'm not saying it's a bad movie right. at all. Just wasn't something that I'm gonna go out of my way to see again. Cause it's vile. It's there's, it's mean and bloody and gory. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of theater of the mind with this collector. Well, you know, and that's what's funny. There's there's a lot of meanness this year. Yeah, that we're seeing. <laughs> it's um, a mean year. And when we get to the the round, of the, there's definitely some some through line going through here. Uh, but again, as great as both of these films are, only one can make it into the round of the Scream 16. So we're gonna put it up here. Uh, Genius McGee, House of the Devil, or The Collector, which one is closer to your heart? Um, Closer to the heart has got to be The Collector. I saw it in the theater. I really enjoyed it then. I still really enjoy it now. So, Collector it is. And that makes a difference. Now, for me, I didn't see either of them in the theater, but as I mentioned before, House of the Devil is becoming comfort food for me, a comfort food horror film. The more I eat it, man, it's just like, oh, it's a beautiful meatloaf in it. You know, much like a meatloaf sometimes, it takes a little time. That's fine. Let it settle for a day. It's mm-hmm. even better. So for me, I'm going to go with House of the Devil. Now, the bracket topic, House of Horrors. Interpret that as you may, but which one is a better House of Horrors? House of Horrors. The House of House of the Devil was fucking dope. That was a cool looking old house. Something you could probably find in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. scarily enough. Just like all antiquated and scary and cool. It made it would make a good like haunted house, and which you know, kind of was. But that house in the collector, that house was fucked up. That house was extremely fucked up. I could go take a tour of the house of the house of the devil and be like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. But if I take a tour of the house of the collector, I'm not coming home. My fucking hand's going to be in some bear trap and I'm fucking got needles in my eye and all kinds of shit. So by that rationale alone, I got to go to the collector. I can see that. This is And this is a tough one for me because... I'm ultimately looking at what you're bringing into the house. You know, the house, the, the houses in themselves are not evil. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how we, with like uh, Amityville and Tourist Trap, you know, there's. So it's what we're bringing in to these houses. Yuck Connors. Yeah, yuck Connors. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, I'm then looking at what's more horrific, Satan or someone that's, a, you know, an OCD fanboy. And. I know the scariness of fandom, but man, I don't know. Maybe it again, going back, I, I might be going against logic on this one. But for me, Satanism is still scary because it can be anywhere. Yeah. You never know. So for me, I'm going to go House of the Devil. Now, we have a tie here. All right. So ultimately, on a tiebreaker, 
Here in the night, like I know initially we did a, a better score for some of them. Do you want to go with a better score? Or do we want to say something? I'll tell you what. Okay, so here's what I think is a better movie. Okay, I think okay. I think House of the Devil is a better movie because even though I didn't care much for it, I want to see it again. I think the attention to detail is just enough where it's that capturing of the nostalgia spirit you know while That's, it's it's probably one that you can show normies and other people because it's kind of fucked up but i mean i think it's a cool looking movie now while the collector is cool i think like that cat scene really pissed me off and turned me off a lot about it because i thought it was a cool movie the premise is dope the premise is dope the ingenious things are dope but that fucking cat killing because he's already melting and then he tries to survive and then you're like yes and then nope fucking guillotine in half i was like fuck you movie you know i could have done without that well you know and i I hate to say we have a cat bias on this podcast but i think we probably have an animal uh, bias you know anytime you do anything bad to an animal we're going to turn against you did they sacrifice a goat in house of the devil uh i'm trying to oh god i've got to remember uh, oh wait wait was there a dog oh shit i've got to. i've got to go back on that one i don't i think we're okay on that i okay. think we're okay okay goats goats are fine because that comes with satanism you well, know what i'm saying well and uh by that means um i guess foreclosing on the collector here ty west's house of the devil moving into the round of the scream 16 i i think you based on the cat bias alone we will let that move forward <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of goats and Satan here, our goats and hoes. Uh, goats. <laughs> What's that like to live deliciously? Yup. <laughs> our next bracket topic, and I'm glad we're laughing because the t- the topic is <laughs> laugh till you drop. And we have two interesting horror comedies. We have one of the all time great directors going up against one of the all time great uh, character actors. We have Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell going up against Ruben Fleischer's Zombieland. Mm-hmm. This one, how do we start on this one here, genius? Top to bottom. Top to bottom. Okay, so. Drag me to hell. I can say this. I did see both of these in the theater. Me too. Okay, excellent. Um, Drag me to hell. For many people, I know with Sam Raimi, it was kind of a return to form. Mm-hmm. It was Raimi going back to his horror roots. This is after we've had Raimi. We've had blockbuster Raimi. Yeah, up till this, this is point. after Spider Man. Spider Man three Raimi. This it, is his return to form. And it's kind of incredible that the guy that gave us the Evil Dead. The guy that gave us Dark Man was now like influencing all these kids, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'll go to bat. I will say Sam Raimi's best film is A Simple Plan. Yeah. Oh, if you haven't seen that one in a while. Dark Man. Dark Man. Dark Man is wonderful. I love Dark Man. If anything for the, 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 the elephant scene alone is grand. And Spider-Man 2 is dope as shit. Spider-Man 2 features that wonderful scene that they showed. I believe it was in Comic-Con. With the Doc Ock tentacle scenes, mm-hmm. that straight Evil Dead, sh- yep. like everyone's like, "Ooh, there's Raimi." Yep. Mm-hmm. But this was actually his chance to go back to fun, fun slapsticky horror. Mm-hmm. Gross. Oh, almost like not body horror, but just juicy, gross, gnarly. Think of the most like, blech, just like saliva and bile and just. Blech, when you have snot. an old, when you have an old gypsy woman gumming you. Mm-hmm. You're not having a good day. No, you're not. <laughs> well, that's that's what I loved about this film is number one, number one, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I had fun throughout it in the theater when I saw it again for a rewatch. But then two, 
the scares are still good and scary. Yeah, it's like, still a good scary. Ultimately, when they're summoning the demon, when they see what's going on, the camera work, everything that shows it's a Raimi film, you still go, oh, yeah, he can still do scares. And the deadite goat. Oh, God. The- <laughs> Again, everything that screams, this is a Raimi movie. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is him going back to the wheelhouse. This is him having a good time. PG thirteen, yes, bloodless, but but still works. Now mm-hmm. I will say, um, Allison Lohman's character, I still feel for her. Oh yeah, the scenario she's put in, and oh, that's yeah. that's ultimately though the thing that I have the roughest thing for is how mean this movie is. And how literal technically it is. Yeah. And how oh, everything. Yeah. It opens up with the ki- uh, the six-year-old kid being drugged to hell by shadows. It's crazy shit. You're like, holy shit. Well, what that am doesn't I happen to our protagonist. Right? Oh, no. oh, spoilers. Yeah. But like, I mean, the thing's called dragging me to hell. But no, it's mean. It is horrible. But it's goofy. Yeah. <laughs> It's goofy as shit with like the button being choked and she's like got the rag and it's fighting on her like fucking three stooges and the anvil out of nowhere. <laughs> it's almost like Joe Dante did a right. sc- like a sc- one, o- one over. It's like, oh, okay, Sam, there's, you could put an anvil in there and it would work. Certainly. <laughs> and then just like. <laughs> and I'm all for it. Like I said, because that makes it so much more fun. Um, the vomiting. The all of the, just the net, like you said. Yep. This is this is a, it's a it's a gross movie. This movie is hella gross. It's just like, bleh. I'm not gonna say it made me gag, but there's still a few points where I'm like, I'm glad I'm oh. not eating anything right now. Yeah, like, you're just like as long as you're not eating like the noodles, like in Lost Boys, you're just like, Bleh. because like, like she's yakking up worms oh, and, in Alice and Loman's mouth. It's just like and it's all in there. Yeah, it's, it is. Like, oh. I, do you think she was like he was seeing her as like Bruce Campbell? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that was like maybe the abuse was hurled upon a little bit more. <laughs> it's yeah, it's insane. It's but like I said, I had fun with this. Yep. And that's the one thing that I return to it now. Also having fun and technically getting a, a sequel is coming yep. out this year. Ten years later. Crazily enough, Zombieland. Mm hmm. I enjoyed this film mm-hmm. in the theater. Mm-hmm. I would put it more on the comedy side than ho- I think Drag Me to Hell is a little bit more horror comedy. I think Zombieland is more comedy horror. Mm-hmm. Not a bad thing. Right. By any means. Right. By any means. Because I still enjoy the movie. Yeah. But it's not one I love mm-hmm. for some reason. And I don't know why. Because yeah. I love everyone involved. Emma Stone her like this year in the favorite last year she's so goddamn good in that yeah so it's fun to see her and go oh yeah she did genre fair for the longest time um woody harrelson just killing it as ten as uh ten uh tallahassee uh-huh the, the importance of twinkies like all these little things uh the, even like the the whole the, the rules yeah did you enjoy that at all i fucking love this movie oh shit you've been zombie you've been sitting on this one haven't you i this is almost comfort food for me i i can put it on anytime and just sit back and enjoy it i love the rules that it sets up okay so you're good with that plays by its own rules i love that shit i love how humorous it is i love how it's kind of self-aware they're just having fun i thoroughly enjoy this movie i think the opening scene with the slow motion carnage set to metallica is a thing of fucking beauty 
It just encapsulates everything that I want in a zombie movie in that one little scene. The carnage, yeah. just a little bit of fun and humor, just the violence, the gore. And then the movie starts and you get the gore and the violence and the fun. It's a fun fucking ride throughout. And I just sat there and I rewatched it and I was like, I love this fucking movie. This movie is grand. So... And it does. I can't say it, I can't say enough good things about it. The casting is pitch perfect. It, the writing is is hilarious. Emma Stone is a treat upon treats. Um, it's just, <laughs> I, I think it's it, it's wonderful. Are you? So I have to assume you are psyched for the sequel. Mm-hmm. I am so psyched because they got the band back together, and I know it's not going to be as good as part one, but at least a good continuation. Who knows? You know, well, I mean, we never you stranger know things are. have happened, but I'm like, you know, if I set myself up to like, you know, lower expectations, sure. I, then I'm never going to be disappointed. So it's like I said, I, I both of these films, I actually had a lot of fun with mm-hmm. both of them, I think are fun. Both of them tickle your funny bone, but I think they do it in a little bit of different ways. So mm-hmm. let's figure out which of these two horror comedies are going to move forward into the round of the Scream 16. So of the two, Drag Me to Hell. Zombieland. I don't even know why I'm asking of this one. Genius, which one is closer to your heart? <laughs> it's got to be fucking Zombieland. Zombieland all the way. I remember leaving the theater going, that movie was fucking rad! Right? And I still liked that movie was fucking rad. I love Drag Me to Hell. It's a great movie, but... If I had to choose between the two, I'm going to go Zombieland all day. Going to go comfort food, man. Yeah. Got to get, gotta get that Twinkie in there. Now, I'm going to also say, um, for me... Seeing both of them in the theater, loved them both. I think I had a better time with Drag Me to Hell because it was a chance to see Sam Raimi doing his thing again. Mm -hmm. Seeing up on the big screen, I've got to go with Drag Me to Hell on that. Now, that being said, on the bracket topic itself, laugh till you drop. Which of the two fit that one better there, Genius McGee? (laughs) Laugh till you drop, Zombieland is funnier. Zombieland's a funnier movie. While the the humor is dark in in uh, Drag Me to Hell, and it's throughout, it's not belly laughs. You know what I'm saying? It's not like ha, 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 uh, check it out. I mean, it is with some of the goats and like all sure. the, but it's a different kind of humor. So like on laugh till you drop more laughing. I'm gonna go Zombieland. And I will say because the fact that we started laugh till you drop, we are gonna focus more on the funny. And if you are gonna do that, I agree. Zombieland is a it's a funnier film. It's not as sinister, but also the fact that Bill Murray, he technically <laughs> fucking Bill Murray, just, Bill Murray drops dead, basically laughing. Maybe he's a little, you know, what does he say? Uh, you have any regrets? Maybe Garfield, maybe Garfield. I also have to say zombie land as well. And by a vote of three to one, uh, zombie land takes a big old bite. Yes. Out of drag me to hell. And is yes. going into the round of the scream 16. And to close up our 2009 bracket, sometimes we have matchups that make sense. Mm-hmm. They might be totally opposite in feel, but they share some sinewy, some DNA, some collective tissue. These two films, however, these are not necessarily similar in any way. Nope. Hence, our bracket topic is something old, something, something new. And two weirdly different films uh <laughs> weirdly different i <laughs> mean this could be a wild card <laughs> these, this would have been a wild card that first year we did this no doubt but we have wame kole seta's orphan going up against Mar- marcus Nisp- nispel's 
Friday the 13th, the remake. Mm -hmm. Which one do we open with? Orphan. Orphan. So I will say this. Stop what you're doing right now. Go back a couple of years and go to our Orphan episode mm-hmm. that where we had uh, Gigi Saul Guerrero on from Luchagore Productions. We shared our thoughts on it, gave a lot of insight to it, kind of like what we did with Pet Cemetery. Right. Uh, but also, I wanted to make sure we could shout out Gigi. She just finished wrapping up on that Blumhouse Hulu. Into the Dark. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So That's going to be rad. Shout out to Luchagore, our friend Gigi. Awesome. awesome. Gore is love, Good. baby. Gore is love, indeed. Um but, but orphan orphan is dope. Ooh. Orphan is wild. If, if you don't want to go back a couple of years, let's just break it down for oh, yeah. for a minute. Orphan and, is is it's crazy and it's heebie jeebies. It's another one that is going to be a weird watch. Heebie jeebies, <laughs> golly! That ending, you're oh. like you. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I can only imagine the people that went in to see this on like dates, right? Like whether it's a first time date, whether you're an established couple. There's some scenes in you're like you. Yeah. Patrick goes, no, no. Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. Plays as a killer kid flick. Kind of. Sort of. Kind because because the the switch. Because of the switch. That being said, could you throw this in the killer kid genre? Yes. I think you have to. You have to. It's a killer kid for all intents and purposes until the last twenty minutes when he gets fucking skeezed. And then like and then and then you're like, okay, all right, I see what it is. But it's weird because like it's they, I think what happened is is like they made it out to be this crazy slasher, like this little girl sure. going around killing everybody. And it's more bad seed than yes. anything. And like I think that's what a lot of people went in with ex- expectations of thinking like, okay, it's gonna be like female Chucky going around killing people, but it's not. It's 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 more like character. And and you but, feel pathos for the family, especially Vera Vengeful. I, I always fuck her name up. That's okay. But uh, no, because she's the one that puts two and two together, and it's got nuns that get fucked up. And so I guess we can count that as nuns exploitation as well. Oh, why not? So <laughs> it checks off a lot of the boxes that you need. But fucking, uh, what is your name? Uh, Grace, right? No, it's uh, Esther. 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 Like, hello, I am Esther. Hello, Daddy. Oh, no. So, like, she's mean as shit. She's like, I'll cut off your little balls before you know what to do with them. She's threatening <laughs> children. She's killing children. She, like, fucking tries. She kills that one girl off the fucking uh, treehouse. It's, it's, Holy shit. She's mean as balls in that shit. Well, I'm glad that... In 2009, we get a film like this that we can talk about because I think it's a lot of the, for a lot of the times it goes kind of underneath the radar for most part. People forget, oh yeah, it's a sinister little flick. Yeah, like it's mean. It is mean. It's mean. She uses that hearing impaired girl as bait oh, it's- to drive the nun off the road that she bludges her to death with a fucking play school hammer. You know what I'm saying? Not the first time this has happened in the tournament. Go back to the brood. We have a lot of like. Kid on teacher, kid on adult violence in mm-hmm. this tournament. I th- unoffici- Punish. <laughs> unofficially brought to you by Shudder. Uh, unofficially brought to you deal breaking. Right. And also by like the horrible PTSD. Boof. But uh, again, not a fun film. No, but, but a, good, a fun film. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, it's a good ride. It is. And when you get to the twist... And in 2009, even in 99, that's where you start having things built on twist. For me, even if that doesn't happen, it still works. 
But it does add a little to the, okay, well, you know, I'm still skeeved, but okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And then her almost like the transformation scene at the end is kind of great. Mm-hmm. All of that. It works so <clears throat> well. Yeah. Now, another film on the flip side of that, again, remakes for the last, you know, in 99, 2009, they're everywhere. Yeah. And we didn't focus on as many. There were definitely more in 2009. We focused on this particular one because I know... A particular person who is a big proponent of it. And actually, I don't know if you know this because I know you're not necessarily on the, the Twitter all that much or the internets, but there's a, this is a very divisive remake. Really? Really. Really? Because you love it. This movie is great. You are like. This movie is one of the better like remakes out there. You know how they're like, okay, what are some of the best remakes? And like, this needs to be said. This is a good quality remake because it harkens back to the essence of the movies, the essence of like. Almost the franchise. You want Jason to be scary. You want gratuitous tits with teens getting killed out in the woods. You want the 80s slasher. And I think this is a great example of how to bring an 80s slasher to the new generation by making him scary again and just bare bonesing it. And it's like, I think this is like the Force Awakens of of horror <laughs> you know because it's technically the next chapter or remake but it just takes the bare bones of the no i take that back the bare bones of one two and three yeah puts them all together and makes this great little fucking camp did a s'more if you will and it's really funny because then you realize like the first 20 25 minutes almost is like a little short film and mm-hmm. you're like wait wait that was just the prologue like what the hell are mm-hmm. you kidding twice. me twice yeah twice because in the credits you get part one and then you get That's that little true. thing and then you get the movie again but jason is scary as shit and this Derek mirrors kills it Derek meets as he's well known in the movie crypt audience uh yeah he is frightening and you can make the argument whether or not kane hotter was scary as jason which i think he was he oh he was, was a great jason but def- i think he this, announced his presence as Jason with bravado. Well, when you go go through like Jason one through four, he's still technically human, mm-hmm. and so he could he did move fast. Like part three, he's running around like a right. crazed madman. Here, he's cunning. He's smart. Oh, he's planning he's, and scheming. When he sets that trap up with at the oh, in the first prologue yeah. with the girl in the sleeping basket being baked. Oh, that's horrible. This is another one that's mean, mean as shit. <laughs> We're getting a through line of meanness in 2009. We'll definitely get sink our teeth into that. Um, Marcus Nispel, he is the guy that actually did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Which remake. I enjoyed that one as well. I'm actually not not displeasing of that one. They're totally different. That's fine. But mm-hmm. ultimately, if you're going to remake something, make it different. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this one, I mean, it's kind of like, like you said, it's kind of a greatest hits in many ways. Mm-hmm. My issue with it, it's not even so much an issue because I really do like this one. I have nothing bad to say about it. But it's for me, it's the whole thing. And again, go think Halloween, Texas. I don't know if these franchises can exist now. I think they were placed perfectly back in the 80s. Um, and because, let's face it, we didn't get a follow-up to this. Not yet. I mean, there should be. I, I mean, mean we, who knows? You know, 10 years, we had to wait 10 years for a Zombieland sequel. That's maybe. true. And I obviously. There's well, a, and, you know, because of the whole lawsuit and everything going around, of, there's going to there's a lot of reasons why we haven't yeah. got it. I'm sure that if everything was hunky fucking dory, we'd have got some maybe some minglings by now. Maybe. But it took a long time to get the one we got. And like I said, I, I enjoy it. Um, some of the kills surprised me, actually. Um, there's one at the very end that I was like, oh, she's not the OK. Right. Fair enough. Right. Uh, there's the comeuppance is sweet. 
the nudity is gratuitous to the point where he's literally like your tits are spectacular i'm just like it's okay but you want you want him to die you're like come on trent when are you gonna get your because it's 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 i'm telling you it checks off all this you says do we need it and i say yes Yes. i say yes we need a whole new generation that can appreciate the old school 80s slashers and this is a good way to bring it in there because they're like oh cell phones don't fucking work and everybody's still everybody's still now it's not like they're like oh trying to harken back to the 80s yeah. but it did a good job of making it like accessible and i think because he's scary again you know and i think that's yeah. why he didn't i think that's why freddie didn't work yeah you know because it made him scary but freddie at this time is like oh <laughs> do the freddie right so yeah i don't think uh derek mears as jason would uh no i i like i i've enjoyed this one um, like I said, I just, I don't know if we need it. I don't know if we need no, it. But I understand. Like, yeah. I understand. But as, as, and listen, as much as we like both of these films, only one can move forward. So let's go ahead and ask between Orphan and the Friday the 13th remake, Genius, which one is closer to your heart? Mm, I got to go Friday. I got to go Friday. And that's like comfort food again. Yeah. It's just like, I can throw it on. I'm like, shit, it's a good Jason movie. It's a great Jason movie. I think it deserves to be up there. Um, I remember fondly being freaked out and skeezed out by Orphan, but <laughs> by the end, it's bad when those are fond memories, right? Like, but skeeved. yeah, but I can throw on Friday and see it anytime. And I'm, I've got to go. This was a tough one for me, and I am going to go with Friday the Thirteenth on this one because I really like both of them. But if I'm going to throw something on to throw it on. Just to be even background, it'll probably be the Friday the Thirteenth remake because mm-hmm. with the Orphan, I'll get more involved with it. Which strengths that actually speaks to its strengths, right? But ultimately, for this one, something more nostalgic. You know, Friday the Thirteenth is established. There's already I've got my little Camp Crystal Lake patch on my vest. You know, so that's always going to ring true. Now that being said, on the bracket topic, something old, something new. Many ways we can think about this. I've got my you know my rationale. Genius. Which one are you going to go with on this one? Uh. Now, with something old, something new, see, that's where I'm at, because something old you and something new, for Orphan to me, I think it would be like, you know, you take that weird old trope of like a killer kid, but mm-hmm. then new with like that new weird, weird twist. Hey, get out of my head. <laughs> but I think Friday the 13th is a better example of that, because they took something old, something that hasn't had a movie for 20 years before that, and it will, well, I mean, just Freddy for, and Jason, yeah. Right, right, right. But... They brought it up again, and they made it scary, and it's still relevant, you know? Because I think that's one even 20 years from now, we'll see a lead like, oh, it's a good old Jason movie. And so they took something old, they made it new again, and I think for that reason, I'm going to go with Friday. And you actually read my mind on my argument on Orphan. But see, my, the thing I, I have an issue with is with Friday the 13th, I really actually I really like the fact that they did take something again this one's quite literal mm-hmm. you know a remake is something old something new they did give us some new elements to it which I really dug but for me on Orphan I I like the killer I, again I, I've always enjoyed the killer kid trope because they're you know they're the scariest ones because they're the ones yeah. you never assume uh, go look at the visitor you know we, again we've revisited <laughs> many <a> times um, <laughs> give me your bitch <laughs> Imagine her going up against Esther. Come on. Oh, that's, no, that'd be great. That would be great. And because it gives us something a little bit new with the twist, I actually like that a little bit more. So I'm going to go ahead and give Orphan my vote. But quite honestly, it makes no difference because by a count of three to one, uh, Derek Meats is hacking his way into the round of the Scream 16 as goes in the Friday the 13th remake. Nice. Holy smokes. So in the next round here, we do have... Looks like, oh man, oh, that 
Now that's oh, a matchup. Shit. Okay. Loved ones versus House of the Devil. Oh no. And then Zombieland. Oh, versus Friday. Oh no. <laughs> shit. That is going to be difficult, but you know what? We are going to be bringing in some extra help to do that as we go along. And all I will just say is this, is we will have royalty in the house next episode. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Yeah.